Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to John chapter 21. We're going to start here in verse 15. It says, after breakfast, amen, Jesus asked Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Sounds like a question my kids ask us all the time. Who's your favorite, right? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time and said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Flip over now to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. It says, when the Pharisees heard Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. Then one of them, a religious scholar, posed this question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the greatest, I'm sorry, this is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these commandments to love you, to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Today is the first Sunday of the year, which means that all across the United States right now, pastors are casting vision for the 2024 year. This morning, I aim to prepare you for 2024, not with something new, but with something old. January often pressures us to move on to the next shiny thing. And listen, I love shiny new things. Ask Amber. My favorite thing in the world is opening Amazon boxes. I don't care what's in it, right? I don't care if it's a new toy or if it's cleaning supplies. It's new and it's fun, okay? So January often pressures us to go towards the new shiny thing. But the new thing won't do us much good if we aren't first deeply established in the old thing. The one thing, as the scripture says it, or as Jesus calls it, the greatest and supreme thing, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. If we are not firmly established in our love for Abba, and equally as important, though harder to embrace, his love for us, then we can set all the goals 
and cast all the vision we want and still never enter into the fullness of life. In Revelations chapter 2, Christ rebukes the church of Ephesus. Does anybody know why? Because they lost their first love. It tells us in, in the chapter, it tells us that Ephesus has done all of these amazing things. That they've preached the gospel. The church has grown beyond what they could ever imagine. It says, but I have this one thing against you. You've left your first love. Matthew 7, in my opinion, is one of the scariest scriptures in all of the Bible. Because Jesus is talking to a group of people and he says, he says, in that day, there will be those who come and say, did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not lay the hand, my hand, our hands on the sick and see them recover? Did I not do all of these things in your name? And then Jesus will have to look at them and say, but I never knew you. Which means we can do all of the things. We can cast all of the vision and accomplish every goal we have. We could grow the church to 500 or 1,000 people. But if we've left our first love, it's nothing. It's nothing. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 40, the last Last uh, verse there I read, it says, contained within these commandments to love, you will find all of the meaning of the law and the prophets. Which means all of this, everything written in here, as good as all of it is, is nothing without the motivation of love. Think of the weight of that sentence. That we can study and study and study to show ourselves approved. But without the foundation of love, it doesn't mean anything. 1 Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13 verse 1. says, if I were to speak with eloquence in, in earth's many languages... And in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love. My words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have all the gifts, or if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and listen to this, if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, it doesn't get much more extreme than that, does it? But without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. 
So as we start this year, and I'm sure there's going to be services where we talk about many, many other things. But as we start this year, I want to start with the foundation. I want to start with the thing that if you don't have it, everything else is meaningless. And that is love. Some of you this morning maybe feel frustrated because you don't have faith that can move mountains yet. Or when you read scripture, maybe there's not the revelation there that you see and hear from others. Maybe you're discouraged because you're not as far along in your faith as you want to be. But maybe, listen to this, maybe it's the grace of God that he won't let you move mountains until you are settled with, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Maybe it's the grace of God that all your prayers aren't answered yet because you first aren't settled in, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Because if we learn to move mountains without love as the foundation, then moving mountains becomes our prize. And Jesus has to look at us as he did the church of Ephesus and say, you've left your first love. I can speak from experience and tell you that you can move mountains and still feel empty. That you can possess great revelation from scripture and still not be fulfilled on the inside. That you can accomplish the mission of God, the thing he has asked you to do and be completely obedient in it and still go home at the end of the day and feel an emptiness on the inside. I know of pastors who will tell you they've been on TV shows, they've preached in front of stadiums of thousands and thousands of people, but when they get back to their hotel room, they still feel empty and numb on the inside. You want to know why? Because none of those things satisfy. Even the good things, even the right things, will not fully satisfy if you are not settled in, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Because the only thing that fills the void, the only thing that satisfied is not accomplishment. It's the unrelenting, relentless love of God. It's the only thing that satisfies, amen? My encouragement this year to you, before this year, or as this year starts, is before you seek greater understanding, before you seek better health, before you seek financial security, before you try to lose the weight and go on all the diets, seek first to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Pursue the supreme commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen? So, seek to love God. But listen, here's the reality of all of it. We cannot love God until we realize how deeply we are loved by him. I said at the beginning, sometimes it's, it's easy for us to comprehend our love for God. Obviously, he's perfect, right? He died on the cross for us. He's 
He's, his mercy is unending and new every morning. It's easy for us to be settled that we love him. But it's sometimes incredibly difficult to be settled in the fact that he is crazy in love with us. But the reality is, is we can't fully, we can't fully come into love for him until we realize how deeply we are loved by him. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So in order for us to walk fully in love with him, we have to fully understand how much he loves us. How much does he love us? John chapter 15, verse 9 says, as the father has loved me, I have loved you. So abide in my love. How much does God love us? With the same measure and statue of love that the Father has for the Son, the Son and the Father have for us. Which means it's unending, unimaginable, unmeasurable love. Paul, in the scripture, Paul, who had more reason than anyone to doubt God's love for him, because of all the mistakes that he made, says it like this in Galatians chapter two. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I live in the life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This statement I'm about to make is probably the most important in this entire message. The cross is Abba's final answer to the question, does God love me? Or to put it another way, does God want me? If there's ever any doubt in your mind of how God feels about you, all you have to do is look at the cross. All you have to do is see the man on the cross, whose body was ripped, whose blood was drained from his body, the holes in his hands and his feet, who didn't deserve one bit of it. But for love for us, for the, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You were the joy. What was going on in Jesus' mind? What pictures were rolling through his brain? I believe he was seeing your face and my face. And that joy that was set before him allowed him to endure the cross. That the cross is Abba's final answer to the question, does God love me? Or put another way, does God want me? Absolutely, he wants you. There's no question. There's no question on earth. He wants you and he loves you. Brennan Manning, who's one of my all-time favorite writers, he tells a story of a moment when he was leaving his cabin after a long retreat. He said he was packing up his suitcase and he had just put the final things in his suitcase and he Made, he zipped it all up and grabbed the suitcase and turned to leave. And when he turned, 
He said, by faith, I saw Jesus standing in the doorway. He said he was standing there and I could see the scars in his hands and in his feet. And he was just standing there smiling at me. He said, when I saw this, just the overwhelming joy and love of God just just came all over him. And he said, it was in that moment that I realized that all of the books that I've written about the love of God, all of the experiences and encounters that I've had with the love of God, all of the times I've preached about the love of God were all like straw and dry leaves blowing in the wind. That the love that the Father has for us is absolutely incomprehensible. I remember when I was just a young teenager, probably 12, 13, 14 years old. We went to a youth conference. Bet you can't guess which one. In Hamilton, Alabama at the ramp. We were in worship. And I had my hands lifted in the air. And I, I, I remember, I can, I can take you right to the spot. Right to the place in the building where I was standing. And I remember standing there and there's... There's teenagers, there's people pressed in all around us. If you've never been to the ramp, there's, there's chairs around the outside, and then the middle is just crammed of pe- full of people. When, the, when it came time to preach, you just sit on the floor and try to find a spot, and you're usually sitting like this because there's so many people. So in the middle of worship, it was hot, it was sweaty, smelly, it was a bunch of teenagers with, that should have put on more deodorant, you know? And we're in the middle of worship, and I have my hands in the air, and I remember my eyes aren't closed. They were looking at the rafters, the black rafters in the building. And all of a sudden, I feel this weight come on me. It wasn't wasn't a bad weight. It wasn't like a, a depressing weight. In fact, the word glory is actually translated weight. It's weighty heavy. So it was this weighty, heavy glory that, that came on me. It was so heavy that I physically couldn't stand. And I, it almost felt like somebody grabbed my shoulders and was just pushing me down because it was just this weight. And I remember with my hands in the air, my eyes up, I remember just being pressed down to my knees and, and then eventually my face just hit the carpet and just this overwhelming love and joy just washing over me over and over again. Is one of the most profound experiences that I've had. The love of God. Some of you might be thinking that, man, I've never had an experience like that. Or I've never had an experience like Brendan Manning had where he, he sees Jesus. I mean, come on. <laughs> you may be thinking, I've never had an experience with the love of God like that. I have a couple of things to say. One is, you can. You absolutely can. That the Father wants you to know his love more than you want to know his love. So seek after his love. Spend time in his presence. Worship him with all of your heart. And I believe everyone in this room can have a significant encounter. And here's the deal. That was one encounter. I've had encounters like that over and over again with the love of God. 
So my first answer to your question, well, I haven't experienced that, is you can. My second answer to that question is, is this, and this take a second to explain. I love Amber. It's a, probably a revelation to all of you. And I can have the feeling of love towards her. But unless that love is expressed in action, she will never know that love. There's a statement we say to our kids. If you're, if you're ever in our house for any length of time, you'll probably hear us say this when we're correcting our kids. If you were here this weekend, you would have heard this. This morning, <laughs> you would have heard this. When we're correcting our kids, and oftentimes they'll apologize, right? They'll say, I'm sorry. They'll, they'll feel bad for what they did. We'll, often the statement we'll make to them is this. I'm glad you're sorry. Now show me you're sorry. Right? Show me you're sorry. That, that there needs to be an expression of remorse, Instead of just the words, right? Instead of just the feeling, there needs to be a behavior issue, or, or not behavior issue. There already was one. That's why we're in this position. Behavior modification is what I meant to say. There needs to be behavior, a behavior modification that, um, that, there, the, that there needs to be an action. The Bible tells us in John 15, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. Jesus has done everything he needs to to prove his enduring love for you. So maybe you haven't had quite an experience like what I've described here this morning. But listen, you can have that experience. But outside of the experience, the only thing you need to prove his love for you has already been done. That there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. That this morning, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt the love of God for you. Amen? This brings me to one of the most important questions in Scripture. Jesus is sitting around the fire with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They've finished eating their lunch or their breakfast, which apparently they have fish for breakfast. Any other have fish for breakfast? I don't have fish for dinner, so I can't imagine that. But they finish their breakfast. They're sitting around the fire on the Sea of Galilee. Peter is sitting next to Jesus by the fire. Jesus looks at Peter, this man who just denied him three times, who in Jesus' greatest moment of need, Peter abandons him. Peter, this man who Jesus looked at several, or looked at once before and said, listen, you are the rock on which the church will be built. Peter, who it's obvious who the leader is of the disciples, Right, The type A personality, the guy who takes charge, Peter, the, the leader in the group. Jesus looks at him, and he asks Peter a question, just one question. That question is not, Peter, do you feel bad for 
denying me. That question is not, Peter, are you sorry? Are you apologetic? Do you want forgiveness? That question is not, Peter, you're the rock of my church, man. You're what, you're the, you're what it's going to be built on. What's your strategy? Let's talk some strategy, right? I'm resurrected from the dead now. You know I'm alive. I'm about to ascend to heaven. This thing is going to be in your hands. You get to spread the message of the gospel to the entire world. I'm putting that in your lap. Let's talk some strategy. Let's talk what's the next step. What do I want you to do next? There's none of that. He asked him one question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? A question, when turned around, has already been answered through the cross. And Peter, now that you know how I feel about you, do you love me? What good, what good of good evangelism, or what's the good of good evangelism if we can't answer that question? What's the good of good theology and understanding if we can't answer that question first? What's the good of revival and renewal if it's not rooted first in answering this question? What's the good of even being forgiven if we can't answer this question? Peter, do you love me? Love like repentance bears fruit, amen? It may start as a statement, but eventually when it's genuine, it'll manifest in expression. We talked a little bit about that a second ago. I jumped ahead in my notes. I was supposed to talk about my kids now, if you were wondering. There are many ways our love for God can manifest. It can manifest through obedience. It can manifest through worship. Can manifest through even self denial of, of putting others first. But one of the ways that the love of God is manifested, one of the ways that we show God our love for Him is that we begin to love what He loves. Peter, do you love me? Peter's reply is yes, of course I do. Then Jesus looks at him and he says, then feed my sheep. I always thought this was such a bizarre statement. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Okay, feed my sheep. Is he a farmer? Like, for some of you, that is your love language, right? Right? Hey, wake up early for me and go to the barn and feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. The supreme commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But isn't it, isn't it interesting 
that the Bible tells us that Jesus says that the other commandment, the second, is like it. That word like actually can mean equal to, of importance. I think the translation I read actually even says that. It's equal in importance to love the Lord your God. And it says to love your neighbor as yourself. How do we express our love for God? One of the ways is by loving what he loves. By loving what he loves. In 1 John, I read you the verse that says that the way we love God is because he first loved us, right? The very next verse, that was verse 19, verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. Love is manifested in expression. If you say you love God but hate what God loves, then God calls you a liar. So one of the ways we love God is is by loving what he loves. Several years ago, several years ago, there's a group of five computer salesmen that went to a conference in Milwaukee. And they were going to come home. They lived in Chicago and they were in Milwaukee and they promised their wives that they would be home by dinner time, which men, that is dangerous, right? You don't make any kind of, I, Kyle knows what I'm talking about. When you work construction, you don't promise that you're going to be home at a certain time. It's just, you don't do it. But these guys promised that their wives, that they'd be home by dinner time. Well, of course, the conference goes a little bit late. And so they rush out of the conference and they're running. They're trying to get back to the train in time for it to take off and go back to Chicago. So they're running through the, the terminal. They, they hear the, the last call for the train. And so they're, they, they're booking it through. They're pushing through all these people. As they're going through, one of the guys accidentally hits this table. On this little table, there was a basket full of apples that this little boy was selling so he could raise money for his school books and his school clothes and those sorts of things. When the guy hit the table, the, the table fell over, the apples uh, hit the floor and spread out everywhere. But the guys were in such a hurry that they barely even noticed and they kept running through the terminal. They get to the train, they get on the train, and they all breathe a sigh of relief. They finally made it. Their wives aren't going to be mad at them tonight. Amen. As they're standing there and the train's about to take off, there's one of the guys begins to think through the, the run-through of the terminal and realizes that what, the, what had happened, what the, they knocked that table over of that, that little boy. And this compassion begins to well up on the inside of him. And so he looks at the other four guys and he says, hey, listen, can one of you call, call my house and let my wife know I'm just going to be late coming home? And he gets off the train and the train takes off and he makes his way back to where the little boy was. When he gets there, he sees the little boy feeling around on the ground and he realizes that the little boy is blind. And he's like, man, I'm so glad that I came back. So he begins helping the little boy gather up all of the apples and he puts them in the basket and he sets the table back up and he realizes that some of the apples are bruised and they're, they're broken because of, because of all the commotion. So the man reaches into his pocket and hands the little boy a $20 bill and he says, hey, hey buddy, I'm sorry for all of this. Here's, here's some money for all of the apples that we had ruined. He hands the boy the money and he turns to walk away and the little boy cries out to him and he says, hey, sir, 
Are you Jesus? And another story, also several years ago, there was a man who was a convicted felon and was in prison serving his sentence. And while he was in prison, he had a massive heart attack and died in jail. But before he passed away, about a year before he passed away, he had this dramatic encounter with God that completely changed his heart and his life. And he started serving the Lord and he started telling other people about Jesus. There was a guy next to him in the cell who was a big, burly man, a real rough kind of guy. And through the cell bars, the man who was now a Christian began witnessing and telling this man about the love of Jesus. And the, other, the big, burly guy was a cynic, and he didn't want to hear any of it. And he, he would mock him and make fun of him and tell him to be quiet and all of those things. But the, the Christian prisoner kept Talking to, talking to him about Jesus. And every time that his family had sent him some candy, he would share it with the big burly prisoner. And he would slip the little notes over to the prisoner with scripture on it, sh showing him the love of Jesus. And every time the man just rejected it and made fun of him and, and didn't want anything to do with it. And after the Christian prisoner died, they had a funeral for, for him at the at the jail, and as the chaplain was in the middle of his message, this big, burly, rough man stands up, and he says, he points to the casket, and he says, that's the only Jesus I've ever known. What's the point of these stories? The point of these stories is, if your love for Jesus, if your love for the Father doesn't produce in you love for others. If your love for him doesn't transform you to where you begin to look like Jesus, then maybe it's time to hear Jesus's question again. Do you love me? Do you love me? And if this morning you're hearing that question and there's any doubt in your mind, then here's what I say to you this morning. I, I'm telling you, it's time to go on the journey again to discover his love for you. It's time to get reestablished again in the fact that he loves you beyond what you could ever comprehend or imagine. That even though your love for him can be fragile and weak, his love for you never is. On the cross, there's two men beside Jesus. Both of them are rebels. Both of them deserve the punishment that they are enduring. Both of them disobeyed not just earthly laws, but the laws of God. 
one of them looks at Jesus. One of them looks at Jesus and doesn't follow any of the protocols for getting saved. He doesn't ask for repentance. He doesn't get baptized first. He doesn't repeat a prayer. He just looks at Jesus and he says, recognizes who Jesus is and Jesus looks at him and he says today you will be with me in paradise it's the love of the father that even when we don't follow the protocol even when we don't do all the right things He loves us. It's the prodigal son. As soon as he stepped back on the left, as soon as he jumped the fence, the father comes running. And he doesn't ask him to grovel at his feet. No, instead he embraces him as a son again. This is the love of God. And if this morning you don't know how to answer the question of Jesus, do you love me? Take the journey again of discovering his love for you. And when you discover his genuine love for you, man, loving him becomes easy. Becomes easy. And then when you love him, you naturally begin to love others. Because you begin to love what he loves. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this year. We thank you for 2023. Lord, we look forward to what this year has for us. But Lord, before we move on to anything else, God, I pray you would establish us. Let your love be deeply rooted on the inside of us. Father, I pray for those this morning who are maybe unsure of where they stand with you. God, I pray that today would, would be the day where they take that journey once again to their father's house. And they meet their father who has open arms. Who meets their father with a hug and a kiss and a ring and a robe. Father, I pray that those in this room that have maybe never experienced the overwhelming love of God, that they would experience the overwhelming love of God. And that, Father, of all the things that we do this year, everything that you, you put before us, all of, the, all of the, the things that you put in front of us to accomplish, God, I pray that we accomplish all of these things that you have for us. But God, before we do any of those things, help us to be rooted in love. 
God, we give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.